probably the most powerful moment for me on Tuesday night as we united to pray for Ukraine. Um, two moments. One was um, I was in kind of a, a back office uh, praying with Johnny Carr, who's here, and, and Johnny had introduced me to the Dorish family and uh, Mr. Vitaly Dorish. Uh, one of the news stations here featured his story, and 30-plus years ago, he and his family came to America and eventually landed in Pittsburgh, even though that wasn't part of the plan, and they've been living here, and um, there was a news feature, and Johnny had sent this to me and said, man, wouldn't it be amazing on the night that we pray for Ukraine, we actually have someone from Ukraine, and, and we're back in the room, and we're starting to talk and get organized, and I found out real quickly we're not going to have to help this guy talk. Mr. Vitale's going to tell us some amazing things. And it was so amazing, his gratitude and his thankfulness that we would so pray for him and for his people and for his family. He told us about his brother that was basically collecting goods and resources and then sending his nephew into the heart of this war country right now in the face of danger. And every time he would start to talk about the people of Ukraine or he would talk about what was going on in Ukraine, he would start to weep. But what got me was when me and Johnny and Mr. Vitali bowed in prayer, the, the tears that started to just flood from his eyes. But I kept hearing these words. I kept hearing, thank you, Jesus. I kept hearing, you are here, Jesus. Uh, we love you, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. It, it was like there was such just belief in Jesus from this man. In fact, even when I said to him, I was like, man, we're just praying for a miracle. He goes, oh, no, Rob, there's already a miracle taking place. We're like 25, 26 days into this war. Nobody thought the people of Ukraine would last this long. And so he's constantly thinking about that. Well, the second moment, that struck me big time as I went into this night of prayer and worship. The second came at the end. For I walked over to Mr. Vitali and he had already told me that he was a little nervous about the drums that night, Jake. He was a little bit nervous about the, the noise. And, you know, I told him that, you know, we'll try and dial it back a little bit. But I don't know if you noticed when he got up on stage, he talked about how he had just experienced a little taste of heaven. And he was just so thankful for the time of worship. And I love that. But he looks at me, he said, Rob, for the first time, tonight is the first time. I actually believe Jesus could save Putin. He said, Rob, it's not even like, like I, I, I have like doubts anymore. No, Jesus can do this. He can absolutely save Putin. Because Jesus, listen to me, my friends, is greater than everything. Greater than everything. Here, Ananias is asked to go to the world's biggest terrorists in regards to the church. And God affirms in Ananias, for I have chosen Saul 
to be my instrument for my kingdom. I want you to know that Jesus is greater than anything you are facing in the world today. To the smallest of small things, to the biggest things. I mean, I am epically failing. I shaved my beard yesterday because I thought spring was here. Now I'm freezing my face off this morning with a blizzard outside. What's wrong with Anchorage, Alaska? I mean, Pittsburgh. I don't know if you are feeling overwhelmed with snow. What is your snow? What is your miscalculations? What's your mistakes? What is all this? Jesus is greater than. And the kindness of Jesus comes down and lays the smack down on the Apostle Paul. Well, as I shared with you, I want to dive into some text. We're going to look at a lot with the Apostle Paul, but now turn to Philippians chapter 3. Because we're going to get to know this guy a little bit now post King Jesus. (laughs) And we're going to find that, man, if anybody could kind of strut around town with accolades and a resume and accomplishments and religiosity and all that kind of stuff, it was this guy. But when he met Jesus, it all changed. So let's consider the Apostle Paul in Philippians. Now, to give you a little context, Paul is writing this letter. He is used by God, we're going to read about it in the book of Acts, to plant a church in Philippi. And then he leaves, he continues to plant churches. He is now writing a letter back to the church at Philippi. And guess where he's writing this letter from? He's writing this letter from jail. (laughs) he's imprisoned I'm just going to tell you right now y'all need to pray for your pastor I go to jail because of Jesus I'm a little bit of a sissy I'm just going to be honest I'm going to need y'all to hook me up with some baked goods come visit come see your pastor if I write you a letter it's probably going to be help Paul's in jail And he's still preaching as strong as he would on a Sunday morning where we're free to do this. I hope I have that courage and faith. Let's look at this together. Let's have some fun breaking it down. Philippians chapter 3. It says, finally, my brothers. Now, it's kind of funny. If you look in Philippians, there's a lot more left. How many of y'all believe when I tell you I'm, I'm going to wrap this up in five minutes that I actually will? Don't believe any preacher that tells you I'm going to wrap it up in five minutes. No, sit tight for another 20. So Paul's a preacher and he's like, finally, there's a lot more he's going to share. So this is not his last statement. But finally, my brothers. Now, um, I wanted to read that story of Ananias because I hope you see how beautiful the church is and how God didn't just restore, save and restore Saul by himself, but he brought in the church. You can't do this alone, peeps. You need brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this term, finally, my brothers, man, the apostle Paul here loves the church. 
loves his brothers and sisters. When you translate this, this is brethren, brothers and sisters. Finally, my brothers, what does he say in jail? Woe is me, send cookies. No, he says, rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) In jail. Which is proof of what we're going to drive home here today. What you really need in this world is Jesus. True peace is not found in the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Paul has tapped into something that is greater than anything he had before this. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, to write the same things to you, which is another preacher problem or leader problem or parent problem. Parents, you feel like you're, you're having to repeat yourself over and over. Bolt, would you please put your clothes away? That happened five times yesterday as he's sitting on the front row saying it didn't happen. See, you weren't listening. It happened five times yesterday. Paul here is having to write the same things. Repeat. We know this as leaders. Just when you get tired of saying something is probably the first time that actually people are starting to get it. Isn't that right, coach? You got to repeat. So he's repeating a lot of things that he probably said to them in person, but that he's also written to them. To write the same things to you is of no trouble to me and is safe for you. Uh, What you talking about, Paul? Safe? You're in jail, homie. I don't know if I should be listening to your advice. Your five-step life plan ain't working out. You're in jail. Once again, what's he talking about in terms of safety and security and peace and joy and rejoicing? It's greater than your circumstances. Greater than this world. And I know that's hard because everything in this world is telling you this world is all that. But it's not. It's not. I have hung out with people in this world that can honestly say they have access to everything in this world, even the good things, and they'll be the first to tell you that nothing satisfies like Jesus. And so here, Paul writes that he is greater. There's two questions we're going to answer in this text. First of all, the what. Secondly, the how. Is Jesus greater than? Number one, I want you to know as we continue on in this text, he is greater than all religions. Pittsburgh, y'all listening? Everybody listening in Pittsburgh? I know... Y'all can notice I'm from Pittsburgh. This Yinzer accent's just connecting in with all of you guys. Hadn't been in this town long. But there's a lot of religion in this town. And may I submit to you that he is greater than all religions. The Apostle Paul says this. Look out, church in Philippi, for the dogs. 
Hmm. Wonder why Paul's in jail. <laughs> he was a little, a little bold. I don't think that's very Christian, Paul. It's in the Bible, so you just got Jesus juked. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evil doers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Let me speak real quickly about this. You see, Paul here has got to be talking about some sort of mass murder right now, right? That's what he's got to be talking about. Y'all notice there's a lot of like mass murder type of shows on Netflix and stuff. I ain't gonna lie, I kind of get into it. There was this show, what did we watch, Bolt? World's Worst Neighbor or something like that? Oh my gosh. I mean, me and Bolt just, we got hooked. I mean, and so we've got to be thinking that Paul here is attacking those people who are really like causing massive harm and destruction in this world. No, when he says, look out for the dogs, he's talking about the religious. He has a very harsh word for the religious. I think it's unbelievable here because when Paul's talking specifically to the religious here, he's talking to those who are called the Judaizers. These people didn't deny that faith in Jesus was necessary. Their evil was that they were adding to the gospel. So they were not preaching grace through faith in Christ alone. They were saying, no, do this, do this. Yes, sprinkle in a little grace, pray a little prayer, then you get Jesus. But you better do all this as well. Paul calls them dogs. They added the Old Testament circumcision of the flesh and the practice of the law as a continued requirement for salvation. Sometimes the most dangerous attack against the gospel in the city of Pittsburgh are those that are actually claiming Team Jesus but adding requirements to Team Jesus. I think it's amazing. Paul's very specific. He's obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit in this moment, but he calls them dogs because guess what? The Judaizers, who were putting themselves up as God's chosen people, the only ones that God cares for because we all do all these religious activities because we were born in the right family, so God thinks we're better than everyone else. Guess what the Judaizers called Gentiles? Dogs. <laughs> Paul says, ah, ah, you're the dog. Well, Pastor Rob, I just don't know if this is Christian. He calls them evildoers. Good intentioned people are still evil if it's not the gospel of Jesus. And as I shared with you, 
Paul genuinely, when he held the robes of those men who stoned Stephen to death, he thought he was serving God. But a religion that's driven away from the gospel of Jesus Christ is a religion that is evil. He is greater than all religions. I love that here in this text we find out what is true religion. In verse 3 it says, For we are the circumcision... Circumcision of not the flesh, but a circumcision of our hearts. And we are ones who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So what is true religion as defined by verse 3? Those who worship by the Spirit of God... How do we have the spirit of God? We have entered into a relationship with God. And we we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. The Holy Spirit lives within us. What also is true religion? Those who glory in Christ Jesus. Can I promise you something? And you can start this campaign if you want to. If we at Vintage Church start glorifying ourselves, our pastors, our church more than Jesus, we got to shut this down. Religion happens when we start promoting our way of serving Jesus, our way of loving Jesus, our family that preaches Jesus more than Jesus. So we are those who glory in Christ Jesus, our purpose. And at the core, we were created to worship King Jesus. And that's not just these moments. Aren't y'all thankful for powerful worship in music moments? But it's living worship. It's the all day long, all week long worship. Living sacrifice, as it says in Romans. It's also, what is true religion? Those who put no confidence in the flesh. And the real core to the gospel here today, my friend, listen to me, because some of y'all, i got to believe, been beat up by religion. You're still drowning from it, influenced by it. When we had friends who came to be baptized a couple weeks ago. One of my friends, Emily, came and and with all sincerity, just wanted to prepare to be baptized. And what I spoke to her about was that at the core, I love that she wanted to religiously prepare to be baptized. And it's so good to take those things serious. But I wanted to remind her, as you go towards your baptism this Sunday, I want you to know that at this moment, if you did nothing else, Jesus is 100% totally pleased and in love with you. We put no confidence in the flesh. For the true gospel, there's freedom. There's empowerment. You can't, but Jesus did. 
because Jesus did, now you can. All right, next. He's greater than all backgrounds. You don't know my background, Pastor Rob. My great-grandpa, he was slim shady. You have no idea what I've done in my life. I've stepped into a church today, but to be honest, this is like the last resort in my life. There's no way God could forgive me. May I submit to you that Jesus is greater than all backgrounds. Look at verse 4 and verse 5. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh. Basically what Paul is saying, if there was a chance that somehow our backgrounds, our religiosity, what we do was the ticket to get into heaven, I want you to know I got all you suckers beat. Let me prove it to you. Paul says this. He says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. What does that mean? Paul's specific time, the eighth day, stressed that he was not a proselyte or an Ishmaelite, but he was a pure-blooded Jew. Proselytes were circumcised later in life, those who've converted later, and Ishmaelites were circumcised at age 13. I'm pure-blooded, Paul says. I'm the elite of elite. I'm of the people of Israel. I got true Jewish heritage, Paul says. I'm of the lineage of Abraham. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, by the way. There's a lineage of Abraham, then there's tribes. And I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, which brought about Israel's first king, Saul. Special place of honor. And then he kind of just puts a cherry on the top and he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Hebrew was Paul's native tongue. Unlike some of the Israelites, he did not adopt Greek customs. He knew thoroughly both the language and customs of the people of God. He was a Hebrew son of Hebrew parents. I want you to know Jesus is greater than all backgrounds and even those of us who have been brought into a lot of blessing and man, we have been saturated with black and gold our entire lives. We're from Pittsburgh and we're Pittsburgh elite. And whatever category we want to talk about on the good side of things, Jesus is greater than that. But let's also talk about the hard things in life. I've shared this with you over and over. My grandfather, my kid's great-grandfather, who's now with King Jesus, first one in our family to ever profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Everyone before that was godless. If you're here today and you are the only one in your family that loves King Jesus, may I share this with you. You can start believing that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would use you to flip the script in your family's life to be greater than any generational sin that's in your family's life. And He wants your great-grandkids to follow Jesus, like what's happened in my family. What Jesus has done for me, 
He can do the same for you. Next, Jesus is greater than all accomplishments. Not just all backgrounds, but all accomplishments. Look in uh, the end of verse 5. It says, as to the law, I want you to know I was a Pharisee. (laughs) Pharisees, right? The strictest sect of religion, memorized, lived out the law militantly. Punished, if not. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal team that you think you're on I was at the top Ananias freaked out when he had to come and pray over me people were scared of me I wasn't just talking a game I was walking it I was getting people to come to me so that I could destroy them and kill them and end this Jesus movement he was known as the great persecutor of the church He says again in verse 6, as to righteousness and accomplishment under the law. How about this for your resume? Nailed it, blameless. So this whole religious system, I conquered. Perfection, blameless. Paul excelled. With these accomplishments. But nothing that we can do could ever satisfy nor appease the wrath of God over our sin. And no religion, no family heritage, no background, no accomplishment can save you. Nothing is greater than our Jesus. I love what Paul does at the very end of this, just in case you have a category that wasn't talked about. He lastly says, Jesus is greater than everything else. He says, but whatever gain I had. He goes on to describe all of these things. I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Now keep this up on the screen. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Some of you are like, okay, Pastor Rob, what are we talking about here? Why are you beating us up about religion? Why are you giving us this perspective? Well, it's first to prove to you, this is a guy that had everything that the world had to offer. And he's telling you, it can't solve your problems. It can't bring about salvation. If you followed the worldly or religious systems perfectly, it's going to fall short. But instead of focusing on the negative side of this, I want to see the positive side of this. Because I think this is what drove the Apostle Paul. And I pray that if you did grow up in a religious background, that you would see it for what it is. 
I grew up, some of y'all in this room maybe grew up in a Catholic background. I grew up in more of a Protestant background. May I submit this to us here today? I, being Baptist, Protestant in my background, I know of Baptists, Kevin, who are saved and Baptists who aren't saved. Much like I know Catholics who are saved, but Catholics who are not saved. This is not about us focusing on religion or our activity. This is about us turning our eyes to Jesus. And if religion or activity or accomplishments or anything else has that goal, it can be renewed and restored and redeemed in your life. But the perspective that Paul has here, he doesn't say, I count everything as loss because of everything that Jesus did for me. He says, I consider everything loss because of how amazing Jesus is. And every day we have a choice to make. And the world's going to stack up. Religion's going to stack up all these things and the reasons for which you should pursue these things. And Jesus is going to present to you who he is. And I'm here today through the power of the Holy Spirit to remind you what the Apostle Paul reminded the church at Philippi as the Apostle Paul sat in a jail cell stripped away from everything in this world. Reminding himself that even when he had everything in this world, whether he was without the things of this world or religion or whether he had everything in this world or religion he considers it all as loss compared to having king jesus and knowing him and so i pray that as you're in that dilemma each and every week you wouldn't try and stack these up but that you would trust that he is greater for Paul continues on he says for his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ And so in verse 9 through verse 11, as the band comes up and as we close in a time of response, I'm going to answer this very simple question. How do we gain Christ? I hope as we have considered Paul's life that he's convinced you at least that religion ain't all that, that the accolades of this world ain't all that, I'm so fired up today. I'm just telling y'all, I've proven so many of you wrong with the North Carolina Tar Heels journey. And I'm just chomping at the bit right now. I was kind of pulling for Duke last night because I want a Duke UNC Final Four in the city of New Orleans to end Coach K, I mean Satan, I mean Coach K's run as the coach of Duke. 
I love the North Carolina Tar Heels. The roots of my passion for the North Carolina Tar Heels is the shot. So we're like, what is that? I know this isn't a basketball town. Michael Jordan hit the game-winning shot in New Orleans, in the Superdome, the month and year I was born. Coincidence? I think not. 1981, against Georgetown, won Dean Smith his first ever championship. And if y'all follow me on social, it was kind of annoying. Annabeth tried to go to sleep, but me and the twins were so loud as the Tar Heels won this. I'm just telling you, I'm all in on a championship for North Carolina. And I'm dreaming for it. I'm believing for it. There's no way God's pulling for a devil. The Blue Devils. No way God's going to be on that team. He's going towards the heavenly blue. The Tar Heel blue. But guys, the championships of this world, which if we can just all be honest, we are selling ourselves out for, are considered as rubbish compared to knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. So will you gain Christ today? Look up on the screen. Go ahead and put all these points up. Verse 9 through 11 says this. This is our response. That I may gain Christ, Paul says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So right here in this text, there's justification by Jesus. We are saved not because of our righteousness, but because of his righteousness. Jesus is the only way. And in that text, it talks about we must place our faith in him who is our righteousness, responding to the Spirit's work in our lives to repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in him. And once we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have been justified. We've been clothed with his righteousness. Thank God for sanctification in Jesus. That when we walk with Jesus, we become like Jesus as we had have and enjoy a relationship with him, to be with him. We have power to overcome the resistance that's against this gospel or the temptations that come to us because we know that God's law is not some sort of kill joy in life. It's the key to joy in life. And God did have purpose for his law so that we might walk in his ways well God's spirit in our sanctification in Jesus allows us to overcome the things of this world then we get to keep our hope beyond anything in this world 
Because once we're saved, we're always saved. King Jesus has us with him for all time and for all eternity, glorification with Jesus. There is hope and it drives us because this life is not our own. This world is not our home. All to Jesus, we surrender all. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna invite you today to gain Jesus. Turn from the world and turn to Jesus. If you'd say, Pastor Rob, the first time in my life, I'm recognizing that Jesus is greater than all religions, all accomplishments. He's greater than my past. He's greater than everything else. And I embrace King Jesus as my Lord and Savior by repenting of my sin and putting my faith and trust in him. If that's you right now, would you boldly lift your hand for the first time in your life? Anybody here? Confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior right now. Anybody here today? Praise the Lord. I love you so much. Praise the Lord. I love you so much. You can put your hands down. Church, let's stand to our feet. And as we close out and get ready to sled home, let's enjoy this Jesus. May this moment right now be a a moment for all the moments this week. Worship King Jesus in such a way that you know and that you recognize that all the things are lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is here. He loves you. And he enjoys you, delights in you in this moment. So Lord Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, as we sing to you, bless us for we consider everything as loss compared to knowing you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.